Welcome to One Player Podcast, and today we're poking the boar. I mean, rising the phoenix. I mean, awaken it. something. Awakening the bear. And welcome back, everybody, and welcome back, Julius. We missed you last time. Uh, sorry about that. The uh, Passover holidays went a bit late for me. Normally, we record, um, you know, whenever we get a chance, and we had scheduled we were going to be doing it right after the Passover holiday, and it took a bit longer for me to get finished up with stuff, and... Uh, I was just unavoidably detained, and it's the way it happened, I suppose. That, that's how it goes. Well, I hope you had a good holiday. I did. It was very nice. I enjoyed it very much. Excellent. Excellent. My wife was on edge the whole time. <laughs> oh, was, was it at your house? Uh, we did do it at our house this year. In ah. past years, <laughs> we've spent more time either with family or with friends. But this year, just due to a number of different factors, we spent the entire holiday just without any guests and without any family. Um, and that was more stressful for my wife, surprisingly. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm glad it went okay. <laughs> but this is a whole bunch of holiday days. I had plenty of time for gaming. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So no, did you do not. any gaming? I, that's absolutely not a tra- not true. Pace, Passover, Pesach is um, a ridiculously time-heavy in preparation one, we have to clean the whole house of anything leaven and entirely switch out the kitchen with a brand new set of dishes. And it takes, a, it's a lot of time. So like with some of the other Jewish holidays, I'll have more time for gaming. This is one of the one, those ones where I actually have less time for gaming because of everything oh, going wow, okay. on, which is not nice. Not nice so, at all. So you say you buy new dishes every year? Like you throw out the No, old we have a set of dishes that stay in storage just for Passover. Uh, okay. And so okay. we have to take out our old dishes and put in the, we have to take out our year dishes and put in the one week dishes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. It's an absolute yeah. pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to do. It is a giant pain. Yeah. I had a friend who, who they celebrate Passover and yeah, he, he was saying that he needed to learn how to play above and below the teaching. He said, uh, I won't be gaming until after Passover. So I don't know when I'll learn it. Yeah. Yeah, busy. I hear that. I hear that. He was also cooking for like about 30. Mm-hmm. We have never done that before, but we've been some of the people who get cooked for for those sort of things, which are fun. They're, they're actually quite nice to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to do a, a Christmas dinner every year at my house growing up, and, and my dad would roast a pig in the backyard, and we'd have 30 to 50 people over every year. And, oh, my gosh, it, it, it was crazy. After about four years, he said, I am done I with that. that. <laughs> it's, it's too much but i definitely enjoyed listening to you and chris going at it on the podcast last week oh <laughs> the great debate which i am glad you're back because you know i have no idea who who um whose word we picked whose word we picked oh so i need, <laughs> so so I need have to, to contact this person i don't know what words you picked off the top of my head but i'll tell you I'm very glad Chris is on. Chris commented that, you know, he's, I'm surprised that he has it. I recall giving him access to that because at my workplace, we have something called bus theory, which is the theory that in case you ever got hit by a bus, someone has to be prepared to pick up your cases. So make sure that there is someone ready to do so. Until now, I'd assumed that you would be able to pick up the podcast just in case, (laughs) Um, but apparently not. You, You couldn't find some of those things there. I, yeah, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me to look for it. I think I tried looking once and didn't. It's find right it. on our drive I storage so space. Is it? Yeah, Let it me is. see. 
Old show notes, no, no, no. logo, no, outro no. no. music, right, no. Right on the route. Uh, br- r- good interview questions, no. What's missing? Item submissions. There we go. And responses. Oh, look at that. There we go. It's right there. Huh. Yeah, very good. <laughs> okay. Although, what although surprisingly, find? we actually had an email get sent to us by a listener. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Bergen, who sent us an email with some words also, and uh, he also gave us a good thank you, little little thank you message f- about our show. So thank you very much, Patrick. Excellent. We did get those. Yep, thank you. All right. Um, so, so on to solitary gaming. Have you said you haven't really done much? Well, I did get some in. I um, pulled out Flashpoint again, which continues to to keep a good spot on my shelf as one of my favorite uh, co-ops and definitely a really good solo game. Um, Flashpoint. You know, I pulled that out recently too, actually. Really? Yeah, I've been playing. I've been trying. I decided I want to play through all the scenarios. I didn't get too far into that, but I played a couple. What of them. do you define as all the scenarios? All the different boards. Oh, really? You know, all the expansion boards. I yes. only have one expansion. I have the second story expansion. So I, although I've played some of the other things, played by forum online, but I don't have the submarine. I don't have the boat. I don't have the garage. I don't have the high rise, um, which is unfortunate because I still play the the game I have relatively frequently. You know, at least once every other month, I'm, I'm pulling that out and playing it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, it's a great game. And I love the theme in it. For those who aren't familiar, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, it's an action selection game, um, a co-op where you are firefighters running around the board, playing out fire and, and rescuing people before the building you're in blows up. Um, and great. Uh, it's it's not a super deep co-op, but I really like it. It's a lot of fun, and I keep coming back to it. And it's one of the one of the ones that I think I will probably never get rid of. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it too. That's yeah, a great game. Yeah, I played I played the one on the ship, and I played that one once with my son, and we lost. And I felt like it was really close, and if, if I had been playing by myself, I could have done it, but he was not quite understanding strategy and all that at the time. He was much younger. But um, when I played it this time, I thought it was going to be easy, a piece of cake, and oh, no, it was, it was just terrible. The ship got destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. I think I, I personally, I think I like it more than like Pandemic. Um, unfortunately, there's a Pandemic Legacy, and there's no Flashpoint Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> the same house keeps burning down over and over. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why. I don't know. I'd be interested to play that. Although I, I'm fully aware that um, it takes a lot of work to do a Legacy game. <laughs> legacy I games imagine. are a real, real lot of work. Although, and this is a small publisher, isn't it? It's a indie board and indie cards. Board and yeah. Card. Yep. Um, although I definitely have things to say about their Kickstarter methods. Okay, I'm not mm. such a fan of the way they they do Kickstarter. I'm a fan of of Flashpoint, but the way they do Kickstarter, I tend not to support their Kickstarters. But that's a mm, different okay. story. Um, but speaking of legacy, did you see AJ's um, request on the Solitaire Guild about his idea for a legacy game? I did see a post in there. I haven't gone back to look, see if there's any more comments or anything. But I thought that was really interesting what he's asking. He's, it looks like he's trying to make, um, I mean, the way he talked about true multiplayer solitaire, but what it looks like he's trying to do is sort of that everyone who owns a copy of the game plays a solitaire game. And then somehow all of our solitaire games will 
do something and somehow interact such that they mm-hmm. all get changed one to the other. That sounds really that is neat. neat. <laughs> you know, he he's touched upon that before because he did a for if I'm going down, he did a scenario that was online that if you want to participate, he sent you the the cards and components you needed, and then everybody played their own game of if I'm going down, and totaled up the scores. And depending on how everybody did, I think if I remember right, it affected the outcome and, and the final playthrough of that scenario, or maybe it was just the final story. I don't remember exactly now, but it, but it was really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and seeing how everybody's doing and hoping everybody gangs up and, and makes it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he did that too with um in in a way, didn't he, with the hostage negotiator Kickstarter? How do you mean that that he was trying to get people to play it a bunch? He was trying to get people to play it a bunch, but not that my game of it necessarily affected yours. Yep. Like I remember with Renegade, I was also um. I, I, when I was doing playtests for Renegade, I had the idea, a similar idea, I thought, where in Renegade, you are going up against a computer, a, a computer system and you're attempting to hack it successfully. And it fights back with various other programs and countermeasures and counter defenses. And so I had the idea that you would re- report the results of your attempted hack to the central system and and this one is developed by victory point games so you would report it online to victory point games and so they would come out with more scenarios because with that one even just a one page download would give you a new scenario with a new computer system with a new thing so it's just a one page download it doesn't have to be anything that affects your game it's just a new program mm-hmm. that you'd be running against and that program would be different based upon globally how hard the computer's been hitting or if the computer's always been winning this way or if there are certain characters that it's always winning at or if it would capture some characters because those characters would be winning a lot and all of that could be tied into what the global sort of win would be i think that i mean even if it's just a one-page channel that'd be cool but i mean another idea that aj could do I don't know if anybody would be interested in something like this, but have it be almost a subscription service that you buy a game Mm. and it comes with a set of cards or a set of components and you buy subscription and every month he sends you a new set of cards or a new set of components. And what those components have is based upon everyone's reports and everyone's results. And so each month, something a little bit different comes out that you throw in and you continue to develop and advance the game. Yeah. I, I would be, Neat I would be in for all of these ideas. And I think that all of these <laughs> would be very interesting to have this solitaire game that continues to develop and continues to advance. And that I know it's not continued to mm-hmm. develop and advance based upon something preset. It's continued to develop and advance because what everyone else in the world over is doing. Yep. Sounds amazing yep. and awesome. And I want AJ to go do it. So AJ, if you're listening, go do it. Do it, do it. You know, they, it almost reminds me of the Lord of the Rings card game. Um, they don't have a subscription thing, but every couple months they have another deck that comes out that you can go out and buy. And, and I know that the designers of that game read the different forums and have been adjusting the new scenarios and the new decks based on what they read about how people are playing and how they're beating things and what's too easy or what's too mm-hmm. hard. So there's a little bit of that, that, that meta gaming going on that's not as explicit. Yeah, but I think fun. that's, I mean, 
if it's just a matter that we all have to beat a score. So like, for example, there's been challenges before that we put on the guild where, you know, some of my favorite ones are these, these neat um, mage night challenges, but I've seen some other ones too, but it's a challenge. And so just simply being that everyone's score. So now I have to beat everyone's score. That doesn't really change the game. I want the game to change, but I mean, can you imagine something like mage night where you'd have a couple extra tiles throw in or a couple different rules go th- get thrown in based upon how everyone did in the last challenge. So if we went up against the red city and we completely fought them off and everyone managed to fight them off, it was like 90, 10, we would then be able to proceed and start from the red city and our challenge would now be to pursue the bad guy or, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the challenge would change every month and it's sort of continuing storyline based upon how everyone's doing, you know, neat. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I'm all for it. I can't wait to see what happens with this. Mm-hmm. I, I've been happy with everything that AJ's made that I've played. So, <laughs> it's got to be good. Limited profile. <laughs> no pressure. Limited profile. No pressure. I mean, but, how much have you? Yeah. How much have you played by AJ? Uh, if I'm going down and hostage negotiator, right, I played hostage negotiator. <laughs> and I especially like that That's I do especially game. like that it is a great great game and it's one of the games that mm-hmm. when I want to demo solitaire games like if I want to show someone how cool solitaire games are my go to's are Friday and Hostage Negotiator because those mm-hmm. are nice yep. self contained in a box dynamic and exciting and those are great go to's to show someone how cool solitaire game is so it's Friday and Hostage Negotiator and you know an excellent, excellent game, but I can't think of any other game by, by Van Ryder <laughs> games that I've played. Yeah, so far the, the catalog's a little small. I mean, there's a couple Kickstarters coming along, right? But I have no, I have no idea what they are. Um, oh, Saloon, Saloon Tycoon. I know that he just did, right? But I didn't. And there's back the other one. one. Is it the um, the post-apocalyptic game, the Mad Max sort of? Yeah, game? another one that I didn't back. Okay. In the end. Yeah, I ended up not backing that one either. Oh, all right. What else is going on? We got that. We don't have much in the way of news. Um, I'm still working on my challenge coin project for for the one player guild. Yeah, how's that and going? That's coming along. I, you know, I contacted a, a couple different companies and got quotes, and, and I've gotten two. Well, one hard quote that basically came out to twenty dollars a coin. Twenty dollars a coin. What kinda, is this full color? Kind of nuts. No, it, the the company I was really expecting to be a little expensive, and I think they're just trying to to get more money out of me because um, they said, "Well, we could produce stuff overseas, or for some things that are you know tougher, we could make it in the U.S." And I told them I wanted that three D thing so you could spin it. I said, "Oh, well, we better do that in the U.S." And so it's going to make it more expensive and all this, and so I think they're just playing for money. You should really try um, doing it with challenge coins for less. I've there's a few there's so many different companies. I'm t- I've talked to another one and they haven't given me a quote yet, but they they gave me a demo of the artwork, how they wanted how they're going to do it, which is basically the stuff I gave them. <laughs> it's um, like here, you gave us this, we'll give it right back to you. Yeah, but now we added a background. Right? There you go. <laughs> but they should be getting a quote from them tomorrow or the next day, I expect. There's another company I contacted. They they gave me a rough price, but we didn't get it all into the details of anything. And I forget how much that one was. Um, I think it was like five something for the coin, but then they also tend to all, unless you order like four or 500 coins, there's some setup fees that you have to pay. Are you thinking of going multiple, uh, um, 
going multicolored. Each coin, yes, the coin will have one color in the front and two or three in the back. Mm-hmm. And, and some some people charge more for color, some don't. It depends. Yeah, it really depends. Some, some are thinner, some are thicker. So, you know, I'll see. We'll get a quote and keep working on it. And then I also got some. Uh, uh, I contacted Chessex about making dice with the logo, figuring you know at the same time we could have dice and coins on Kickstarter. And see how that goes. But well, people seem to like that yeah. too. Well, I be I think we've already quoted Chessex before, so we know what that one's going to do. Yeah, and they're pretty cheap. It at most expensive. It's a dollar a die when you order them. Mm-hmm. And they told me once you do quantities, it's fifty cents or less a die. Yeah, yeah indeed. Well, so. hopefully, I'll be able to get that out soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hopefully, that will be interesting. Um. What else? Not much in the way of news. I think that's all we have um, for news. I guess we could talk about some Kickstarter stuff. Okay. I don't have anything there. I should really stop looking at Kickstarter again. Well, um, I know the Dresden Files, I talked about this previously, but the Dresden Files is now live and unlocking a whole bunch of um, benefits. I know that they they did something interesting where originally they were having a $10 shipping, but as stretch goals continue to do, so they cut down on the shipping costs, so now shipping is almost free. Or actually, it may be free by the time this drops. I'm hoping it will be. So I thought that was interesting that they're, they're working on that, because I know shipping is one of the worst parts about black stuff on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. But... So how do they do uh-huh. that? Is it is it shipping going to be charged separately later on or something? Or the original idea was shipping is going to be charged separately at the backer kit, um, but okay. once they're having this, if you're in the U.S., shipping is free. Otherwise, it's a ten dollar discount no matter what, which is that's a great great stretch goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is neat. And imagine it's it's not necessarily free for other people, but it's also cheap. It's cheaper. It's $10 cheaper for anyone else in other countries and things like that. But for me, it's free. And once again, I've said it before, but I'm already a big fan of the Dresden Files. So neat. Neat, neat, neat. Cool, okay. And so I'm looking to see, hope, hope to see more Kickstarter goals, more Kickstarter stretch goals coming up for that one. But I think I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. Yes, you have mentioned it. Um... Did you follow the Darkest Night's brief time on Kickstarter? No, I did not. Um, Darkest Night briefly came onto Kickstarter and then came back down. Um, I don't know what to tell about that because who knows what's going to be coming up for the next one. Right now we're at the time between when it was canceled and when it restarted when we're recording this. They included minis. Mm-hmm. They wanted, I think it was more than $100. For a copy of the game with, I think it was almost $160 for the game with everything in it, which was two expansions. And it included a mini for all the characters. And I mean, it looked really nice, but to me it was, it was above my price point, but we will see what happens when it relaunches. Mm-hmm, okay. I don't remember following that one at all. Well, what do you think about Escape? Escape. The, the Curse of the Temple yes. one? I like that game. Well, I like that game. Well, much. they're doing Escape Curse of the Temple is a real-time um, dice rolling game where you're trying to roll dice in order to move through rooms and explore gems and things like that. Um, it's an older game, and I think we've actually reviewed it in the past, although I don't think we reviewed it with all the expansions. 
um, primarily because, in my opinion, I like the base game just fine with all the expansions. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in having all of the expansions, the expansions are now coming out in one big box. Both the Escape Regulars and Escape Zombie City, which if you feel like throwing zombies into everything, here you go. You can have zombies in your escape. <laughs> um, but both of them are on Kickstarter with big boxes. And those big boxes, the, the they're charging a different cost for the two different big boxes. Um, and they're, it's one of those early bird ones, but the escape big box, if you're not getting early bird, the zombie city is $80 and the regular is a hundred dollars for the big box. And that includes all the expansions today and all the mini, all the expansions, all the mini expansions, what they call the queenies, everything you could ever want for the game. All of it to date is included in the box. Is there any new content being created for this? Uh, I don't think that they actually no they no, yeah they are including a new expansion for um, escape the third expansion the traps expansion and I mm-hmm. think that the stretch goals are going to be some new content for each of them but I don't think there's currently anything available for the zombie one but I'm not as familiar for the zombie one um, primarily because I saw it and I said I don't care about having zombies <laughs> yeah. It sounds interesting. The art looks neat on it. The little city tiles look neat. Mm. But, um, now, this is the second edition, it says, on the box. I wonder what's different. I do not know. I don't know if something is different. I do I saw it know. somewhere. Yeah, Escape Big Box second. Maybe it's because it's the second time they make a big box. Because they made a big box before the, the third expansion came out. So, I don't, I don't know if it's different or not. I do not know. Um, but anyway, so that one's that one's out and currently funding. And if you're interested in picking everything, and I guess if you haven't picked up something before, I mean, this is something that I always had a problem with these big boxes is I currently own a copy of Escape. If mm-hmm. I buy a big box, I'm going to throw out what I have. <laughs> sell it to somebody, combine it. I guess I could sell it to somebody, oh, yeah. but I'm, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna combine it because then I'm gonna have duplicate components for everything. Yeah, it's it's a good deal probably if you don't have it already and you're interested in it. But for the rest of us, yeah, I guess. I, I guess I'll wait for the the queenies to show up on the BGG yeah, store. Yes, but anyway, that's gonna be done funding on May 18th, and I'm gonna talk about one more, um, which humorously is another live action one called Virus, and this one's currently funding. It's gonna be finished on June 3rd. Um. This one is interesting because it throws in a couple different mechanics when you're doing it. And one of them is is new and different. I'm curious about how it would work in real life. Let me let me explain a bit about this game. In Virus, mm-hmm. it's a you have similar to an escape. There's going to be some similarities here. Similar to an escape, you have different room tiles all set out and you have your main character. And this one has minis instead of the wooden meeples like an escape. Um, but you have your character and you're running around fighting off zombies, um, infected and you're trying to get the antidote and escape. And the whole point of the game is to research and find the antidote and get out alive without being taken down the game plays that there's these two phases. There's a re- there's a real time phase where you have to roll as fast as possible to get out your, your actions to move around, to search the rooms, to put down doors, 
or barriers or traps or devices, and you do all the things on the board. And then after that, you'll pause and you'll do sort of like the monster phase. And so the monsters will come and they'll attack you. And then you'll be able to reallocate any resources that you get. And then you'll be able to move on back into a new fast phase where the players get to do another action. So currently that seems similar, but you're not rolling dice in this one. The way it works is you just simply have actions to spend. And the actions are these little cubes that you put out on the different um, laboratory tiles in order to show that you're doing things laboratory tiles, like you explored a new tile or you're continuing to look for clues or for items in it. And the clues are what you need in order to find the, um, the antidote. And if you've ever played Tobago, have you played Tobago? No, I have not. So Tobago in this game works that it gives you a set of, of vague sort of ideas about something. So like, for example, it'll tell you it has to be in a blue room. And so that means that the answer has to be in one of the blue rooms. So I can knock out all the red, the green, the yellow. And then it has to be a blue room in this row. And it has to be in a blue room, which only has two enemies. And it has to be in a blue room, which only has two enemies and one device. And as you continue to get more clues, you almost artificially um, can figure out by process of elimination which room the cure is there. And then you'll put the antidote, the cure, in that room and you have to run to it and get it. And this is similar to Tobaga, how you're having to knock it down. The really so that's a mechanic that's been used before, and in Tobago was an interesting mechanic, and I think I'm I'm concerned about how it would work in this one because in Tobago, all the tiles are out, and I can look at all of them and I can put down. And Tobago comes with these cubes to show you where, you know, where all the blue tiles are. So I put a cube in all the blue tiles, and so you could take away cubes as you do it with this one. You continue to build up your laboratory, and so. Each turn, you may have to reanalyze to see if you do it because something might have been added, which sounds... I'm not sure if it'll be frustrating or not. Maybe. <laughs> but then the really new mechanic is the combat system. The combat system works that you have a set of cubes. And now I'm talking about wooden cubes. And you have a board with interspaced squares. And so you'll have a square, and then around it will be blank area, and then a square and blank area, and square and blank area. And you'll mix up all of the cubes in your hand, and you'll sort of splash them down on top of your player board. And if they land in a square, so then they count towards a hit, or towards a multiplier, or towards a special action that you can get, or something like that. But if they aren't in a square, so then you lose that cube, and it's a wasted cube, a wasted resource. That's very okay. different. That's I've never heard of anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, if you picture it, it's sort of like looking at city blocks from overhead, where the, the squares are the city blocks, and this between are the streets. So you, you're wanting to land on the blocks. But it looks like one-fourth of the spaces are blocks, and the rest is empty. Something like that. But, I mean, you could also yeah. just entirely not get it on your player board. But I'm not like, clear. Like, yeah. when I roll dice, I tend to roll it up, and I, like, slam my hand over the table, unless I'm using a dice tray. I'll slam my hand over the table. Clearly, you can't do that. So, like, is there rules? You have to throw it 
with medium force you, yeah. from two inches away. You probably have to drop it from a height or something. I mean, there's nothing really that I I briefly looked over the rules. I do not know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no idea what it is that their the intention is with that one. Well, you know, you just got to judge it, I guess. Just you know, and and try not to cheat. I mean, in the end, it's a co-op game. So if you cheat, you're cheating you. But at the same time, I like playing co-op games by the rules. Now, then, it could be that it's in the rules and I missed it. And it could be that it'll be even more specific by the time it comes out. Mm-hmm. Trug. Yeah. Well, that's neat. Anyway, mm-hmm. that does look cool. It's definitely a brand new thing that they're doing. And if you're interested, this game can include minis. Yes, they do have two versions of it. They have the deluxe version, which has minis, and they have the standard version, which is um, 2D, what they're calling 2D minis. But essentially, it's 3D printed meeples, is what it is. And I think that the deluxe version actually costs less when you're doing that. Yeah, standard is about $65, and the deluxe version comes out to be about $85. Hmm, okay. Not that much. Not that much of a difference, but that's a $20 difference if you want the meeples. Yeah, $20 difference. And it looks like there's, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about 25 meeples or so, mm-hmm. roughly. 25 meeples? No, way more than that. 10 zombies, 10 There's dogs, about 55 meeples. Oh, man. Not meeples. I meant uh, miniatures. 55 miniatures. Yeah, but you keep talking about miniatures as if you're saying, like, oh, I can get the miniatures, whereas I go, oh, I can just get the meeples. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no. I uh, Yeah, but I'm letting people know. Those of you that like miniatures, it's it, they're relatively cheap compared to the other game. Eh. So people say, oh, for 20 bucks more, that's all it's going to cost me? Oh, yeah, I'll throw in the miniatures. Eh, not me. <laughs> I'll never paint them. That's my problem. Right. If, I, if I'm getting something, I'm going to want it painted. And usually if I'm getting something, I'll have someone else paint them. Or I'll just get the meeples or the standees because that's what I prefer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody at the game store recently. They're saying, yeah, I, I won't play the game until I've gotten it painted. Because if I start playing it, then I'll never get around to painting mm-hmm. it. So it'll just sit in a box until I've painted it. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work for him. That wouldn't work for me, unfortunately. I hear that. Well, neat. That is a neat game, and that is Virus. That is Virus, and it's finishing up June 3rd. Okay, so you got a few weeks. All right, and I think that's all I'm going to be talking about today. I know there's one other that I want to talk about, Dream Wars, um, but unfortunately I haven't had a chance to look at it so much. But Dream Wars, in very brief, it's a steampunk horror game. Um, It's finishing up May 26th. It's about $70 to get a copy of it. Um, Looks neat, but I unfortunately haven't had enough time to review it, so I can't really talk about it so much. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about it. (laughs) Fair enough. And there was the Kickstarter report. And we're done. Thanks for listening, folks. Albert, please (laughs) tell me you've played this game by now. (laughs) I have played the game we're talking about today. Today's game is... uh, Conflict of Heroes Awakening the Bear. Which this is a game and I've been asking expansion. Albert to play for ages. I've been, I've been claiming I'm going to play it for ages. 
Because this is a year of war games. Remember, we decided early on we're going to have a lot more war games than we have other years. And so this is our second, I think, or third. I have no idea. But I know that it's May <laughs> already. We're up to May. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the problem is, you know, this is a big game, and it's not as easy to get a big game on the table, unfortunately. I hear that. So Conflict of Heroes, this game actually came out quite a few years ago, the original version. I believe, like, probably 2007 or so. Because I remember a friend of mine playing it way back when. Um, it is published by Academy Games and designed by... Uh, You're the one holding the box, Uwe Eckert. sir. Yeah, uh, I left the lid over there. At the table, <laughs> so I just got, oops. <laughs> oops. It's, fortunately, I, I'm holding BGG right in front of me. So it's Uwe Eckert. Uwe Eckert. Um, the publisher is Academy Games. And the original game came out... Uh, I cannot read the new BGG website. Oh, I like the new BGG website. I like it. I just still can't find things on oh, okay. it. <laughs> 1941? No. That's the that's part of the title. Hmm. Hmm. It's in here somewhere. It did come out, though. That's for sure. I know we can always count on you there, sir. That's expand Versions. Though, you know, this company does have a little bit of reputation for for being patient about releases. <laughs> what well, what exactly do you mean by that? <laughs> um, so they announced the Solitaire expansion, I think probably like around 2012 or 13 or so. It, it just came out late last year. Oh, really? Or middle of last year. Oh, yeah. Wow. It, it took them a while. Well, I'm, I'd I, rather I have something it. be, you know, fully developed than not. Yes, and they went back to the drawing board and redid things and everything. I think I backed it before I moved, and I think I've been at this house almost three years. So I know it took a while. And I not backed it, but pre-ordered it. Um. Anyway, so so let's talk about the game. This is a war game. It's set in World War II, and it's the Germans against the Russians. Um. The game originally came out. It's a two-player game. Um. The box. Well, the box has one to four players. But when you're playing solitaire with the original game, you're playing both sides. And, and the rules does include some some text on how to play both sides and, and that sort of thing, how to play one side and sort of try and make choices for the other. But it's really more of, I don't I didn't think of that as rules, more as guidelines. Um, what this game has, what it, brings, it brings something like six different boards. They're really nice um, boards of a color boards a lot of war games tend to be are you are you talking about maps. the solitaire version or the regular version no right now i'm just talking about the the game itself okay. not the solitaire version uh because you the the solitaire version that we're going to also talk about came out last year as an expansion and not only did the solitaire version come out but there's also a scenario generator a firefight generator that you could play as two player or more or make more solitaire scenarios with that um, so first, let me talk about the, the actual base game because you need to start with that. Um, where was it? So, so you get a few boards, a few different boards. You you get a bunch of really nice counters. These are thick, rounded corner counters. They look more like Euro game counters than, than your typical war game counter. Um, some dice and some different cards, and and that's about it. The you get the rule book and a scenario book. In this game, is a lot of this type of war games, like skirmish-style war games, they're, they're scenario-based. And so when you play, you pick which scenario you're going to play at. It sets a setting. It'll tell you, oh, this was this historic battle or that historic battle, and, and here's how it's set up, and this is your go. And 
being that this is a skirmish level game, you're generally controlling. Gosh, and this is where my lack of understanding of militariness comes in. But you're, you're controlling small units. Squads. I, I think each squad. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Like in squad leader. Yeah. So each <laughs> counter is probably one squad. <laughs> um, one sir. Mm-hmm. The this game is different than other squad level war games I've played, which is combat commander in the in this one and i guess it doesn't make sense to compare them in this one you're you're taking turns and it's kind of neat because you activate a single counter and now you have a certain number of points to spend on that counter like action points yes like action points each when you activate a counter you get six action points um you spend any number of action like you spend an action point to move one space or maybe you spend some action points to to shoot the the number of action points you spend Depends on the action you're doing and the type of units. Some units can shoot more inexpensively than others. Like, for example, uh, a guy with a gun can shoot more cheaply than, say, a tank. Um, or some sort of heavy artillery. And so you, you spend your action, and then the next person goes, and they do something with the so unit. So you for you your action, back. you get to activate one unit. One unit, and you do one action. And you still have action points on the board for that unit. So when your, turn, your round comes back to you... You can now use that unit again until you either finish with that unit and use all his action points or decide you want to activate another unit, at which point you say this unit's done. You flip him over to his exhausted side, and and he cannot come back and take actions anymore. The new unit's not taking actions. So, so you have so to stick with that one unit until you're done with them. Yes, that, that's basically true. And it makes it interesting because, you know, if something something is happening somewhere else and you really feel like you need to get over there and do something, you may choose to give up whatever that unit was doing and switch. And so that, that makes some interesting tension when you're playing the game. Now, now what I described is not strictly true because besides the action point, there's also some command points that you get each round. The, the number of command points you get varies from scenario to scenario, but it may generally be somewhere between four or five. Um, you could spend, instead of your unit's action points, you could spend command points. When you spend those, you could use them just like the, the unit points, the action points, but you could use it on any unit, even one that's already spent. And it doesn't interrupt that unit that's working who's spending action points. So, so I start with the unit, I activate him, and I spend two action points. You go and you do something at the other end of the board, and I say, oh shoot, I need to, to interrupt that. So I spend some of my command points on a different unit, shoot at your guy, hopefully kill him. Sorry about that. I don't mind. Um, that, <laughs> that you go, do whatever you do, and then I come back to my turn. I can now do my original unit again. He still has unspent action How points. do you keep track of how many action points you spent on that first unit? Each player ha- has a board. You have a small player board, and you have a counter for your action points and that sort of thing. Now, when, I did find it a little bit confusing in that when you spend your action points and activate a unit, you have to just know which unit you activated. And if a lot of stuff is going on, uh, or you're like me and you keep forgetting some rules, you need to go back and reference your book, you may forget which unit you activated. Um, so I found what I did is I put a little, I have a little clear chip, like a little small yellow chip. It came with some game. I don't know what it is. And I just put it on like top of the counter. Like a bingo chip. Yeah, like a bingo chip, exactly. And and I always have one on whatever unit is active. Mm-hmm. And that helps me keep track of it. So that's how the game works. It's basically back and forth until somebody wins a scenario. Each scenario is going to have different sort of objective. Um, it may be eliminate a certain number of units. 
it may be to capture an objective it, it just depends on how it's set up um and and this is the basic game there's the way the rulebook is written is it's really neat i think it's a very well done rulebook it introduces the basic game with regular um what is it called shoot uh not armored units or artillery units i guess it's not artillery but it's basically soldiers versus tanks you're, you're using soldiers and it teaches you these basic rules and you could play a scenario and it works great. And then after that, you go on to the next section and now you could start learning how to use the cards. The game brings a lot of different action cards that let you do other things. Is that in addition oh, to your command points? In addition to your command so, points. Some of the cards may let you activate a unit. Um, if your unit has taken damage, it, it may let you uh, regroup and, and rally your unit to, to remove the damage counter off them. Uh, and some may do other things. There's one that I think does artillery fire, for example, and lets you roll some dice and do some damage at one end of the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Julius, you need a new headphone. <laughs> Sorry, could you see that? Yeah, I can see that. You have trouble with that one. I, I'm watching you. I'm not looking at BGG this time. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I do need a new headphone. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, so and then the, as the rulebook goes, it progresses through different things um, and adds more to the game. And, you know, the, the early game does not feel to me like you're, you're lacking a lot. Yeah, it's simpler. It doesn't have all the units, but it felt like it could go back to that scenario and play it again in the future. And it's still satisfying. Um, on the other hand, it, I, I tried that first scenario a bunch of times and it took me a while to really to really get the rules done pretty well i think and understand why and and part of that part of it was just because i was not playing often enough part of it was because i was learning by myself and managing both sides is that how you're supposed to Um, do when you're playing the solitaire game well no i find out i just said i found it easier that way to to learn the rules the the solitaire rules that comes with the basic game does have you play both sides but it gives you guidelines on how to play the you pick one side you're playing and it gives you guidelines how to play your opponent okay but you're basically controlling both and making choices for okay. both. Um, to learn the game, I, for, I forego that and just say, I'm just going to play both sides and just try and switch my mind. And if I'm favoring one over the other or whatever, it doesn't really matter. I'm so there's not like a nice learning scenario in the game. There is. And th- there's a first scenario for that. But but even then, I think the game was different enough to anything else I played that it took me a while to get it. And maybe it's just me. What made it so different? The fact that you like have all of these different action thingies that could be going on. The fact that you have all the actions, the fact that you, you have the action point, the command points and how they work a little bit different. Um, I found that confusing because like the other game I mentioned, combat commander, it, it is very different when you activate a unit you, on your turn, you play a card, you activate that unit and you do as much as you want and that does not necessarily exhaust your unit. Next turn, you could go and activate him again. Mm-hmm. As long as you have the right card to do things. So the way it's managed there is very different. And I'm, I was just more familiar with that already. So it was a bit of a mind shift. Okay. Um, so that, um, you know, that's generally the basic game. It's really fun. For Solitaire, I thought personally as, as a solo player who's not used to playing both sides, it's okay. It's interesting, and the game tells great stories, I think, when you're playing, and there's narrative of the combat, and that that's kind of neat to see. But just, to, I think, unless you're already used to war games or... So you're not a fan of the or, idea of playing both sides? 
I'm not. I, I've done it before occasionally, but I prefer to, to play a game where I could take one side and control it and feel like I'm playing against another side. Okay. With, with what do you think about the components? They're awesome. The, the quality of the counters is fantastic. The boards are nice and thick. Um, like, say, your typical Euro board. Um, it, the, it has a really great counter tray for organizing all the counters with tons of space. I've been able to put the game in there plus all the expansions I have in that box and everything fits nicely. Do you have a bunch of expansions the for The rulebook is well done. There, the two solo expansions, well, the, the solo expansion and the scenario generator, and they have a couple small expansions, uh, a board you can buy and um, a couple small packs of counters, I think, that let you, they let you just add them to the game. Okay. And I think... The the problem with those, though, really is because the game is scenario-based, there isn't already a scenario, for example, that uses that new board. Um, so you have to go find other scenarios or make your own. And the original rules, as it comes in the box, doesn't have a way to support that. You're always picking a scenario from the ones that are available. The Now, the publisher, when they released the board, for example, they did release scenarios for it. But even it's it's still a little bit limited. Um, but you can use your scenario but, generator, yeah. you're saying, to make more scenarios for it. Yes. And now the new scenario generator they sold, they sell, that came out recently, lets you make any scenario for any of the components you have. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and that's whether it's for two players, four, or, or, or solitaire. And, and that's interesting. But um, before we get into that, let's talk about the, the solitaire expansion. Okay. Now. Um. Now, so this is an expansion, so you have to buy it, to, which does mean it's a little bit expensive. If, if you want to get into this solitaire game, you got to buy the base game, which it's probably, I don't know how much it retails, I'd say $70 or $80. And then you have to buy an expansion that's probably another 40 So, So that's a fair bit yeah. of money. Um, it, it's probably comparable to other stuff. I know there's a war game that came out recently by Compass Games. I don't remember the name of that game, but that, I think, was $120. And, and that supports Solitaire out of the box. So that's about the same price. Um, okay, so this Solitaire expansion, what it brings, it does bring some more counters that are used in the scenarios. Um, it doesn't bring any counters that are necessarily, I think, Solitaire-specific. Um, it brings a rule book. It brings a scenario book. And it brings a bunch of cards for the solitaire game. The, the the way the solitaire game works here, the I haven't played through the whole thing. I've played through a few of the scenarios. You set up the scenario, and you're controlling one of the sides. The scenario up front tells you, oh, you're going to be the Germans in this one. You're going to be the Russians, whatever. And you, this is your objective. The Then the other side is controlled by the AI deck. This deck of cards, it's pretty neat. You Each turn, you take your action, and then on the AI's turn, and, and who goes first can vary from scenario to scenario, but when the scenario go, the, the AI goes, you flip over the top card, and then it's going to give you... The card is divided into sections. You, need, you start from the top and work your way down, look at in each section, and it'll tell you, like, if the first section is generally, is there an enemy unit, an AI unit on a space with a player unit? If so then you take a close combat action. If not, you go to the next one, which is usually are the two units in adjacent spaces. If so, you take that action. And then from there, you go down, and there'll be things like 
pick the AI unit closest to a, a damaged player unit and attack him. Or or the AI moves towards one of the objective spaces. And it'll be the, the closest AI to it or the the AI that moved last. And so the way that works, it kind of, you don't know which AI unit's going to move every turn. Or necessarily where it's going to go. It may go to the closest player. It may go to the objective. It may go to the strongest player unit. It, it just varies. But it, it gives it some, some realism to it. And you go through, you take the actions. And then instead of trying to have you manage action points for both the player and the AI, it, it totally threw out that action point idea out of, out of the game. And now what you do is after you've finished, whether it's for your player turn or the AI turn, you flip over the next AI card, and in the bottom it's going to say, if the number of action points you spent is higher than whatever the number that card says, maybe say 2 or 4, then that unit is spent. So you flip that unit over to spend side, and he can't do anything else. If your number is lower, then you could keep going. And and you could keep using that unit. So in theory, you could get really lucky and, and never spend a single unit and have him take 10 or 20 actions. Uh, but, you know, it's probably going to average to about the same as the action point system. Now, remember I mentioned there's also command points in the basic game. They simulated that by some of the... Well, if you choose to do a command action, then you don't have to worry... You, you do have command points, so you don't have to worry about doing the checking for the action point and the spending the okay. unit. The AI, some of the cards for the AI, you just flip them and they tell you, oh, these are command cards. So these are not going to exhaust that that unit. So it found a different way to replace that other system that worked really well. Um, when I was playing, I found that you know it, it kind of gave a little bit of a push-your-luck feel to it, but at the same time, I, it, I still had a lot of strategic choices to make and whatnot. And when does that deck refresh? The At the end of any round... Um, a round will continue until no, both you and the AI have passed consecutively, and that would happen because both of you spend each other or spend each other, spend all your units, and so you can no longer take an action. Um, or some of the cards will say reshuffle the deck, so you may get three cards in and suddenly have to reshuffle it. So, so you never know when you'll get a, a mm-hmm. new card. So, what do you mean by pushing your luck? Then? Um. um well, with a unit, when when you get a, when you activate a unit, you know that if you do something that takes a lot of action points, you're more likely to spend him versus something that takes just a few action points. Um, so, like, I may move a unit down the road, knowing that chances are he's going to be fine for a while because a lot of the cards are going to say three action points. If I've spent three or more action points on this turn, that unit's exhausted, and, and movement on a road is only one action point. So now I could do that mm-hmm. pretty safely. Um, if, unfortunately, the card says one, he just suddenly a spend, and he might be standing in the middle of a road, which is kind of dangerous. It's a great place to get shot. So is it, that's kind of the pusher luck. I mean, it isn't really pusher luck, but it kind of felt like it to me. Um, What else? The I didn't talk about the damage. The way this damage works in this game, um, when you have combat, you, you're rolling dice. You know, you look at the type of unit, he has a defense value. The the person attacking has an attack value. You roll dice. You could sometimes modify that number a little bit uh, by spending command points, for example. 
then terrain also impacts your ability to your defense roll. So you know you add up all these modifiers, you roll the dice, and then you compare the two numbers. If the attack total ends up being higher than your defense, you take damage, which means you draw a counter from a bag or a cup. And some of the counters may have text on it, like you're suppressed and you can't move, or or maybe you're wounded and some of your stats change, and how much it changes depending on the counter. One or two counters actually say you're just outright killed, which is unfortunate. Um, but if you're not outright killed, then the next time you take another hit, then that unit's out of the game. I removed off the board. Um, so the combat could be pretty brutal. The and so the AI works really well. When I've played, I found that the stuff was unexpected, and and sometimes like in one scenario, the AI went in a direction I was not expecting. So I suddenly saw an opportunity to go in and take over the uh, objective space, and ran ran into the objective space and, and guarded, and then the units. The, uh, the other units started coming at me and attacking me because I was on the objective space. And, and it was really interesting. And I played the same scenario again the next time. It played out totally different. A lot of it had to do because I made different choices and the AI took different choices too, I guess, if you want to call it choices. Um, but, but each scenario played very different. So there's a lot of replayability in the game, I think. The game has, I think, about 10 or 12 scenarios. A few of them are single standalone scenarios. There's one or two campaigns where you play over four four games in each, I think. And I, I guess I haven't gotten to play those yet, but the results of each game will affect the, the next game in the campaign. And like the scenarios, the first one could be pretty small. It was one board, and I think each player has, or the player in the eye each have about six units. There's another scenario that's four boards, which is pretty huge. And there's a lot more units. And I think in that when you're you're hunting out the the enemy, there's a scenario where you're you have a convoy that's going down the road and you need to defend it, and the AI is trying to attack your convoy and destroy it. So so there's a lot of variety. It's very interesting. Now the AI was um, designed by the son of Uwe's son. I don't remember his name, Uwe's son, and I believe also by um, John Butterfield. Which is, he won the Solitaire Gaming Awards uh, Hall of Fame award a couple years ago, and he's designed a lot of games. Um, Ambush, which is a classic war game with a a, a paragraph based war game. What else has he designed? John H. But- Butterfield. So yeah, he's designed Ambush, um, the Conflict of Heroes solo expansion. He had some uh, input into that, and exactly what it is, I don't think he designed it. I think he helped somehow. Um, D-Day at Omaha Beach, Enemy Action Ardenes, which is the one I mentioned by Compass Games that came out recently, an old game called Freedom in the Galaxy, a lot of different war games, RAF, which is another classic solitaire war game about the Battle of Britain, The Voyage of the BSM Pandora, which is a magazine solitaire, I think it's a paragraph game. What do you mean a paragraph game? So... It's um, a lot of times you you do something. Well, for example, in, in ambush, I've mentioned this one before in the podcast. But uh, in this one, it's a big hex map, and as your unit moves into a hex, you then look up in this chart on the hex space you moved into, and it may tell you to go look at a paragraph, and you go look at the paragraph, and then you read the description. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's basically flavor text. It'll tell you, oh, like, you know, um, as you're moving through the brush, you see a bunch of birds flying off, and then you hear a gunshot. And so so it adds flavor to the game, but it also kind of gives you a clue that there's something over nearby in whatever direction it told you because you just heard of gunshots. And and these this game, as you play through the scenarios, actually a story pops up about what's going on in the game. Um, I don't really know Voyage of the BSM Pandora. I think it's got some sort of paragraphs in it, but I don't know. Have you played uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? Yes, I have. Okay. That's another paragraph game. Okay. It works a little different. And but same idea. Okay. Hmm? Okay, I understand. Is, is Time Stories a paragraph game? You mentioned you've played Time Stories. I have played Time Stories. I meant to talk about that earlier. Um, I don't know if you call it a paragraph game. It has encounters, but those paragraphs are on the cards. Mm, so I, okay. don't really, I don't really know if that's the same thing. Hmm, okay. I, I don't know. Sherlock Holmes was a more free-flowing experience. Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, all right, so Conflict of Heroes. So I've talked about the game. I've talked about the Solitaire expansion. Now, again, this is a scenario-based thing, and the the Solitaire expansion brings some scenarios. You could play through those, but eventually you're going to get bored of playing the same scenario over and over, I imagine. So mm-hmm. you could then get the Scenario Generator. And that I haven't used that yet. I've kind of read through it. Um I'm still a little bit confused with how how it's going to work, but you're going to you're going to draw some cards for yourself. Well, at the beginning, you don't know which side you're going to play. Excuse me, but you're going to draw cards for each of the sides, and the cards have text in them that let you modify the scenario. Some of the cards might say, "Oh, this side gets some extra units." So if you play that card during the setup phase, that side's going to have some more units in the other. Um, another card might say, oh, this one has hide the units in some spaces. And the player gets to decide where they get hidden or, or whatever. And and so as you're playing, you're modifying the scenario, hopefully to help yourself or, or one side or the other, whatever. And you know, it's affecting one units you have and what the goals of the scenario are and that sort of thing. Once you have done this, Hopefully you did this as, as balanced as you can because once you've set up the scenario, then you're going to roll to see which side you are. The, and so that keeps you from picking one side thinking it's going to be stronger than the other and, you know, setting it up in, in that side's favor because you just don't know which one you'll get. And using this, you could set up scenarios to work with any map, with any of the units you have, um, and the scenarios could all be very, very different. So it sounds really interesting. It, it's a neat way to do it. I've again I've played Combat Commander that has a scenario generator but that's totally different. Um the players pick a map and then you kind of roll to see what units you get and and whatnot. And it's relatively straightforward. This one at least in the two player game it seems like it actually turns the uh, setting up a, a random scenario into a game in itself. Which is neat. So so yeah, I mean that's Combat Commander in in a nutshell. Um Hopefully I've done it justice. It's a really neat game. It really, really is. If you like war games, I think this is a very well done war game and high quality components and high quality game. Definitely worth checking out. And do you feel like if you've not played um, war games before, is this a good, good one to get into or not? If you've not played war games before, 
Um, only because of the cost, I would say no. Because you may decide you don't like this sort of game. And the reason I say it's because because I've uh, I've bought other games before, like um, I think it was it was one of the leader series games that we talked about recently. Um, I bought one thinking I was gonna like it. It's a solitaire game, but you know I wasn't that into the theme. And when I played it, I could not get into the game at all. And I think it, it, I just didn't care about the subject matter. I found it dull. And that's just personal preference. And the game itself is probably great, but. It didn't interest me. I didn't care about the units. I didn't care about picking stuff. It, just, it was just boring to me because of the subject. So I would say, you know, if if you find the subject interesting, it's a good one to pick. Um, if you don't think you're going to like the subject or you're already kind of wishy-washy on it, I'd say try something cheaper. Um, the, you know, there aren't many games of this style that you're going to find cheaper. Um... A, a game where where you're managing units and moving them around a board and that sort of thing. Like I'd say, oh, if, see, buy a States of Siege game and see if you like a war game. But that is so different from this. You know, it's like comparing... um. Oh, gosh. Sentinels of the Multiverse to Mage Knight. You know, saying, oh, if you like Sentinels, you'll like Mage Knight. It's it's very different experience. You can't really compare it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say it's the same thing. Okay. Um. Yep. There you go. The gameplay is a couple hours, depending on the scenario. But I think the a basic scenario is probably about two hours. A big one could be much more. And uh, that's it. That's that's conflict of heroes. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you recommend it because you have all the expansions. <laughs> yes, I do. I do, and I like it. I really do like this game, and I've wanted to play multiplayer. It looks like it'd be an interesting multiplayer game too, because of the the way that I go, you go mechanism works. It is, I think, unique to this system. Sounds neat. Mm-hmm. And it it is a series of games, by the way. It's worth mentioning that there's other Conflict of Heroes games, but the solo system currently only exists with this one for for Awakening the Bear. There's another one um, set in Guadalcanal in the Pacific Theater. I think they're going to come up with a solo system for that. I think I read that, but that would be a separate solo system with separate scenarios that you would need. And I imagine the, the AI cards are going to be similar, but you know probably slightly different just because the type of warfare was different. So you'd want to watch for that. Um, so, so if you were interested in the solo game and the solo scenario, you definitely would want Awakening the Bear versus one of the other Conflict of Heroes games. And also remember that... Um, I forget which... Pu- Lock and Load Publishing is licensing licensing the Solitaire system for their game. So it's pretty neat. And didn't this game... You know, I, I haven't completely followed it, but the Solitaire Gaming Awards just finished. And I don't... I'm not really sure who's won what, but I know this game was in there. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that next time because I don't think I don't think they have finished, did they? I I'm not clear on it. the The voting is closing is closed as far as I could tell. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it next time. Okay. Good idea. So the real question is, what's it missing? Mm-hmm.
What's it? <sighs> That's a good question. That is a really good question. And <laughs> should we see what the, the last couple games were missing? Sure. According to the voters. And once again, with the what's it missing, we hold a great debate about what's it missing, where Albert and I, or our guests, will get to argue about random words submitted by you guys. Um, and these are ideas that we will have to argue for why or why not they should be included in the game, but then you guys get to vote. And I had, unfortunately, I blame pa- pa- I blame Passover entirely for it. Um, for 100, I have forgotten to post up the poll, and that was Albert arguing for monkey auto race push sticks and i was arguing for palm trees and once again albert won <laughs> 11 oh, to albert, 10 boy, this was close your, your, your debate skills are getting really good oh thank you albert <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> and then last time it was you and chris um with caterpillars and squirrels which one did you have i believe you had i had I had caterpillars, I think. You had caterpillars? But, yes, but Chris was arguing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's un, you know, some of those votes are probably really his. Well, once again, it's 11 <laughs> to 9. So, again, Albert managed to get another one. So, hopefully today, hopefully today we can Today's finally take it out. Yep. Knock me off my uh, what pedestal or whatever it is I'm standing that's, on. That's the plan. My, my caterpillar. And so we're going to see right. here. So it's, let's pull up the random words. What was that? I need to send dice to somebody. I We need to find out who did caterpillars and squirrels. Um, that was Mo with caterpillars and squirrels was Jason Clark. Ah, uh, uh, okay. And Mo already got a die or some dice. I sent him a couple already saying, you submitted so many words. Here's just a couple dice ahead of time. Don't expect anything else. <laughs> Actually, I need to order more dice soon. I'm running low. Well, fortunately, I know we are maybe having a Kickstarter with some. <laughs> well, but those those will be the one player guild dice. But I think I think I will order some other dice for the podcast. I need to figure out what color. So, grabbing right. two random words from our list, and I'm including the new words submitted by Jason Clark and Patrick Bergen recently. Um, and one of them that comes up is one of Patrick Bergen's. So it looks like your word, sir, is going to be money. 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 Okay. And it looks like my word is going to be jellyfish. <laughs> Your word submitted by Patrick. My word submitted by Mo. <laughs> Go Mo. Jellyfish. <laughs> and by the way, it's 20 seconds and then 20 seconds and then a five second rebuttal. Oh, Okay. So last time, Chris got a bunch of extra time. Yes, he did. I gave him like 30 seconds. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I was listening. I'm like, oh, this would be so much easier if you had 30 seconds. So much easier. So would you like to go yeah. first or second? Um, I, I Either one. Uh, I'll go first. You'll go first? All right. Sure. Ready? Yeah. Set? Go. All right. This game needs money because, you know, the Russian side was generally very poor. Early on, Germany had a ton of money. Russians had no money. Imagine how much more interesting this game would be if the Russians had a ton of money. They might have had Mecha, for example, on, on the battlefield. Giant fighting robots crushing those German units. Or, or maybe finally we would see a real Stop. cool army of German Zeppelins. <laughs> had to get that word in, sorry. <laughs> Giant Zeppelins, eh? 
And Mecca. Yes, Mecca. Got it. And I'm ready when you are. All right. Go. All right. So we have Jellyfish. I think that if we had a car that you could just flip over and be like, pow, I'm dealing with you a giant jellyfish that are going to stick you and shock all your guys, electric shock, and blurb on top of you like a giant pile of ectoplasmic goo from Ghostbusters or the giant goo from D&D. Stop. <laughs> See, y- you want to enhance a combat just like I do. Jellyfish and, and money both get the same thing. So now turns it up a notch. You got five second rebuttal. <laughs> oh, that was my rebuttal. Oh, that was your rebuttal. Okay, fine. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it counts. <laughs> so yeah, we're definitely that trying was... to push it up a notch. Yeah, because if you just had a giant jellyfish coming out, <laughs> yeah, you can't say no. Machine to guns and tanks was not enough. It's like the worst <laughs> enemy in D anD D is the giant jelly. Uh, the jelly. Oh, the green jelly and those guys. Oh, yep. I got a, a mini, one of the D&D minis that's a jelly, and it's got something inside it, but I can't tell what oh, it lovely. is. It looks like it's some bones of, I don't know what. <laughs> it's neat. All right. And once again, so we're going to be sending a die. I guess we're going to be sending a die to Patrick uh, Bergen, and Mo has his die. <laughs> Well, maybe they're in the mail. In the mail eventually. They will be in the mail tomorrow. We'll see about that. But you too can submit your own words and get it on the fun. See the link in the show notes for things. Yep. Thank you for the words. Said more. And thank everybody for listening. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.